Welcome to Bina, KALW's program featuring creative voices from the Jewish Community Center of San Francisco. In this series, we bring you remarkable artists and thinkers who've come to speak at the JCCSF as part of our Arts and Ideas program. On this edition of Bina, our guests are Blondie frontwoman Deborah Harry and Blondie co-founder and guitarist Chris Stein. They're joining conversation by artist Rob Braun, who served as creative director of Harry's memoir, Face It. And now join Stephanie Singer as she introduces Deborah Harry, Chris Stein, and Rob Braun. Debbie Harry is one of the single most recognizable front women in the history of rock and roll. Yeah. With Blondie, she sold more than 50 million albums worldwide and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2006. She's also an acclaimed solo artist and has enjoyed a successful acting career with over 30 films and television roles to her credit, including some of the most interesting independent films of the past 20 years. As a devoted environmentalist, Debbie's helped to raise awareness to such issues as clean water and saving pollinators, as well as the promotion of LGBTQ issues. Debbie is here tonight with her memoir, Face It, the shockingly funny, smart, inspirational story of the incredible highs and equally incredible lows, both inside and outside of Blondie. She appears in conversation with Chris Stein, Blondie's co-founder, songwriter, acclaimed photographer. Yeah, yeah. And author of Point of View, and Rob Roth, multi-platform artist and director whose work has appeared at the New Museum for Contemporary Art and the Whitney, among many others. Please welcome them all to the JCCSF. San Francisco. How are you? Good evening. Or afternoon. Is it evening? It's evening. Ah, thank God. <laughs> we almost didn't make it. We're very confused. <laughs> um, one of the things that you're, I think you're in for a treat because already backstage they've been telling me stories about San Francisco that I'm like, let's just go right to San Francisco. What are you? You're already talking about like all these crazy stories that happen in San Francisco. So what's this one about the window breaking or somebody? Oh, that's kind of complicated. Oh. But uh, uh, okay, was it at the? I guess towards the end of the Iggy Bowie tour, and oh, God, I don't know how to explain this, and because we weren't there, this is all secondhand information. Oh, but hearsay. Bowie was Bowie was at a party at this gallery and it turned out the gallery was run by this guy I had had encounters with years before before Blondie like in the, in the late 60s named Super Joel and Super Joel is no longer with us but he was a really great character so there, there was a, it was an odd connection and Jimmy 
Destry, our keyboard player, and, and Clem, and I guess a couple of other people, and Penelope Houston from the Avengers, you know, were, showed up at this gallery that Bowie was there in, and were not let in, and this altercation ensued where they wound up breaking the window of the gallery. And then, um, like, you know, a couple of months later, Penelope had a gig at the Mabuhe, and Super Joel sent somebody to bite her. (laughs) And apparently, you know, somebody jumped on stage and bit her on the leg or something like that. That's that's the, you know, the the short form. (laughs) But, Debbie, you also mentioned that there's a connection between San Francisco and your Bowie story in the book. Uh, Yes. Well, it was um, a friend... Actually, an old friend of Chris's. It's all Chris's fault. It always is. <laughs> As many things are. <clears throat> well, uh, I had this friend who gave me a gram of blow. And, <clears throat> you know, at the time I was, I was very clean. And um, I thought, you know, I, I would take like a, a match head of this blow and uh, it, it would be sufficient. <laughs> yeah, so it was very good. <laughs> and so I had this little gram of blow, and I thought, oh, gosh, this is going to last for the entire tour. <laughs> and it would have, <laughs> except, um, you know, David and, and Jimmy's connection in New York died tragically and um, they were you know sort of hard pressed and so they found out that I had this gram and I thought oh well sure I'll share it and and they dumped out the whole thing and made these big lines and snorted it all up and I was sort of standing there going what <laughs> supposed to last me all tour this was going to last me the whole tour and um uh, that's when I uh, had the privilege of meeting David's. And there you have it. <laughs> it's a San Francisco connection. I love it. Yes. I have plenty more San Francisco stuff, though. You what? I have more San Francisco yeah, we stuff. We can get it. Yeah, we can weave. But okay. yes, go can ahead. Weave? Okay. Do you want to do it? We could go and move on. But no, no, no. Go ahead. Relating to drugs in San Francisco. Do you remember... There's a bazillion stories now that we could tell. Do you remember where we went to this dealer's place? It was what do you? Is there a name for the houses? The you know the yeah. So (laughs) thank you. And we went we went into this place to procure. And first you got on the first floor, and there was this big biker dude there, and he was like the the you know receptionist. Remember this? And he, ch- he checked you out. And if you pa- got past him, then he said, okay, you can go upstairs. So he went up to the top floor. And there was this guy, this young hippie dude, total, you know, throwback 60s hippie with long hair. And he was sitting in a room, and he was surrounded by bowls. And, in, and the bowls were filled with everything. And they all had signs and prices on them. Do you remember? <laughs> Do you remember what that? What year is this? It was, you know, in the 70s, mid, mid, the 70s. Mid-70s, yeah. 
but it, it, that was a moment. And then my other... The, what did you buy? You know, probably weed. Probably just weed, but they had pills and acid, everything. Oh. And um, the other great... You don't... Okay, so the, the first time we went to the Mabuhe Gardens, there... Right. The first time we went... There was no graffiti in the dressing rooms. It was blank, bare walls. And I can, this, I, I have, I have, we have visual proof of this. Does anybody know who Jonathan Postal was, the photographer? So he, was, he documented us drawing on the walls in the Mabuhe Garden for the first time and writing. And like, by the time we went back five months later, there was so much graffiti on the walls. I mean, there were like no walls in places. And it just like eaten through with layers of people, you know, crushing the walls with their pens and whatever the hell it was. And then, and then finally, I'll do the, and then the last really great Mabuhe garden story was, do you remember the giant fight that, yes, that we witnessed? I, do. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know who was playing, but we were in there one night and just weird, and the whole place just exploded. It was like if all you guys just started fighting with each other instantaneously. It might happen. You never know. The night's still young. And, and every, then everybody started pursuing, like one group started pursuing this other group, and it was like, it was very animalistic and weird and great. And I remember I looked over, and there was this biker dude, and he had a blondie shirt with your face on it, and blood was gushing out of his, <laughs> out onto this image of you on his shirt. And it's still in my head after all these, after all Wait, these years. where were you? We were just standing here watching no, you. this. She was standing next to me. Do you remember this? <laughs> it, it'll come back. It'll come back. It will. I swear. In, you know, an hour or so. Oh right, and right. it's like, a, and you know, and then I, you know, I was here like in the summers of '67 and '68, and I remember that you know, it, and it by '68 it had gotten so dark and weird. And I'll do one one more little story. My me and my friends were tripping on Haight Street, right? This is a little depressing, and and we were we were just wandering down the street, and we see this pickup truck going on the street, and like guys in the back of the pickup truck, and and beckoning people so some hippie kid runs up catches up with the pickup truck they pull him inside the pickup truck whereupon they throw him down and start kicking him and the truck pulls away we, and we were like did we see this or were we just high and it, there was a big contrast between 67 and 68 it, but you know like why the, do you think that was the, I, the wolves had arrived by then you know it, it was weird man all these Charles Manson people were surrounding the the, the hippie scene at that point you know uh. Hmm. But it was six, that quick. Six, it was like a yeah, turnaround. Sixty-seven was very light mm-hmm. and airy, though. Hmm. Do you have a favorite San Francisco story that you like from a show you did? Or yeah. A well, I, I remember. Uh, bef- I I don't know why I didn't meet you, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I was out at the same time, pretty much. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And I remember going. Was it the Aragon Ballroom? Yeah. What was the ballroom? Avalon. Uh, Avalon? Avalon? Yeah, but the Aragon is That just sounded like a flock of geese when I did. No, the Aragon (laughs) is something. Yeah. 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 I remember going to shows there, and um, it was great. Everybody was tripped out of their brains. 
And I think I was too. I'm sure you were. <laughs> oh, and then in later years, Bill Graham tried to strangle our tour manager on stage. Remember that? Yes. That was a good moment. All right, tell me this one. Come on. I, I don't know if there's much lead up to that. It's just, you know, Bruce. 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 Well, yeah. I wanted to strangle him too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Why was he strangling him? He no. stole my underwear. Is that true? Yeah. yeah, we think he's like sold it. Sold my underwear. Yeah. Was he selling it? I think so. Yeah. Or exchanging it for gifts. I don't know. Wow. Stocking stuffers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. All right. Woo. Um, but you know, it's so funny that you just said you were both in San Francisco in 68. They, they were both at Woodstock, too, and didn't meet each other. Like, you've been circling. You were circling each other. For a while. Well, the music scene was a smaller place in those days. Anyway, just in general. I know, but you still have been sort of... You circled each other for a while yeah. before you finally met. And that's why in the book, when you ta- in the intro, when you talk about <clears throat> kind of this metaphysical or psychic energy thing, wh- when did you have... I didn't ask you this. The dream you had of the blonde on the bus who said, I'll meet you in the city, and you ran after Probably it? In what si- year in was 69 that? 69 when I was going really 69. crazy. Yeah, I was really like... Dripping, yeah. But so how many years after that dream did you actually meet Debbie? Uh, like four? Yeah. Four years. But there, do you, do you, so do you believe that you, me, cold. it was destiny that you met? Do you believe in that or do you? Because uh, in that intro it kind of feels like you're alluding to that. Have some water. It won't, it won't help. I have a cold. No. It won't help. Uh, destiny in that... One's fate is somehow pre-programmed? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> it was a smaller world, truthfully. You know, In I what think. way? Just this, it was, was it simpler or just... No, I don't know if it was simpler, but um, I guess <clears throat> there were less people. Mm. <laughs> Fair enough. So, at the mo- at, you know, right now, sitting here... I'm more with the time is a flat circle theory where this has all happened once before. Oh, are we in? No. We've yeah. done this? Yeah. Oh, was it as good the last Ooh. time? I can't well, remember. Do it again. <laughs> um, on the journey, we'll get to the book a bit. Like, on the journey of this book, Debbie let me have free reign with her collection of, well, everything, and we found some gems. Did we talk about this in the year? Do you remember where this was? I can't remember if we. I, I think it was on the Bowery. Looks like a Bowery. Yeah. And the hair is right for that period. Yeah. We all got haircuts pretty early on. Oh, okay. Oh, you were, were you like hippie? The boys did. I had like really long, long ass hair, yeah. And who decided to cut the hair? Who was the. Gary was the first to go because we all were. We were. Because so El, when we were in the stilettos, yeah. right? Um, we were at Max's one night, and Elda, who was the, one of the other members of the trio, the girl uh-huh. trio, she came running That's at the Max's, you know, the yeah. Elda in the center. Okay. And said, I just saw this band downtown and they were dressed like old men. And she was referring to television. <laughs> so, but she was very excited by it. And uh, they kind of I, led the charge into short hair, okay. I would think, you know. And Debbie, let's, well, we'll get on the stilettos. What, how, how many incarnations were there? I- well, well, I think probably ultimately there were three, but um, two I can know I can know clearly, and this was probably number two. The first one was with Roseanne Trapani, 
who was uh, my neighbor on Prince, was yeah. it Prince Street? Thompson yeah. Street. Thompson huh? Street. She's the one who said, I have a band, and it broke up. No, Elda had a band with uh, Holly Woodlawn called the Pure Garbage. And uh, she said, oh, you've got to come and see us. So I called her, and she said, oh, the band broke up. So I said, let's start a new one. Let's and start another. The stilettos. The yeah, first that stilettos. was the first stilettos. And then did you, were you in the second stilettos? No, I was really pretty early. I was the first. Yeah, I, we encountered each other at their first show. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the very first yeah, one. Yeah, the very first show. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know that, actually. That's yeah. funny. Okay, cool. Um, and let's, I don't know, let's just for the sake of, we're in, we're in San Francisco. Let's talk about drag a little bit. <laughs> and yeah, I know Juanita Moore. Ah, you're wearing Dayglow. I can actually see you. Legendary. Juanita Moore is here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yes. So we talked a little bit about... Um, um, wig stock and all that, but what you've been inspired by drag queens, right? Hey, when I was like, I must have been like 12, I was watching the David Susskind show. Anybody know? Anybody that old? Okay. And Andy <coughs> and Jackie and Candy and the whole of the crew were on, and I was really taken with Jackie Curtis because she was so smart, you know? And even though I wound up as a cis white man I really thought she was awesome and um, and the blondie drag connection has been endless because we used to have you know we're friends with Fayette who I, I really you know if I didn't have a cold I, might have, I should have invited her I feel bad but Fayette was <coughs> one of the original uh, cockettes uh, yeah no and, and yeah, was, uh, tom- and, what tomato and gorilla and tomato and gorilla and Screaming Orchid, and those guys used to open, and Fayette used to open up for us and do their skits. As Blondie? Open up for Blondie or as uh, maybe even Stilettos? Prior. Probably, probably early Blondie. Yeah. I remember one They'd thing. come to New York? No, they were oh, here. in New York. They were in New York at that they point. They were in New York, yeah. But Fayette had roots in the San Francisco, in the Cockettes. She was one of the original members. And has great photos from that period. Yeah. Hmm. Babs the stunt girl. Yeah. That was her character. Yeah, the savage voodoo nuns. It was one of their things that they opened up. I always wanted to be Babs the stunt girl. I think of myself that way. Yeah. Uh, As I fall down. (laughs) (laughs) But no, Lady Bunny has always been a complete, you know, tease. Oh, yeah. I've witnessed the teasing. Several times, actually. Very frustrating. Yeah, Debbie gets really mad. (laughs) But, you know, it'll go on forever, really. You're listening to Blondie frontwoman Deborah Harry and Blondie co-founder and guitarist Chris Stein. They're joining conversation by artist Rob Roth who served as creative director of Harry's memoir, Face It, on Bina, a series featuring creative voices from the Jewish Community Center of San Francisco. Bina is also available as a podcast, and you can find it at kalw.org. Blondie is performing at the Masonic Auditorium 
in San Francisco on Tuesday, May 17th. Divine. Let's talk about Divine. Okay. Okay, so it's the Divine. You you've knew Divine before Hairspray. Yeah, correct? we knew Divine. Divine was, you know, um, on the Lower East Side a lot. And, well, we went, um, we went to the Sleeves Convention. Yeah, we went to the Sleeves Convention in Wilmington, the, Delaware. The very first, probably the only and first. <laughs> I was going to say, how many were there? <laughs> yeah, that's Sleaze the only convention. one I know of. And I think that was, that must have been like 74. Five maybe. Oh, Who yeah. threw the sleeves convention? All that crew from like there, from John Delmar Waters. Said it. Yeah, yeah. He, I don't. We didn't meet him, but we were at, we met, you know, Edie and Mink Stoll and a bunch of his yeah. people. Yeah. There. Oh, and um, so you, you met Divine then? Maybe then I can't say for sure, but we, uh, you know, but then I I had met Divine in Women Behind Bars. Yeah. The Tom Iyer right. musical. That was the official. Right, because that's a in your book. Yeah, in my photo. book, there's some yeah. photos because Gary was going out with Lisa Persky, who is the daughter of Lester, Lester Persky, the Hollywood producer, right? Mm-hmm. And um, she was also an actor and was in Women Behind Bars. What was Divine like to work with on Hairspray? Oh, well, I mean, uh, Divine was Divine. Yeah, and uh, knew, I mean, they had, John and Divine had such a, a long relationship, I mean, that, uh, through all of those films, those early films, and, and um, the, I don't know, what, what was Divine like to work with? Totally professional and extremely strong. I didn't realize how strong. Well, you have fight scenes. Yeah, we had a fight scene, and I, I was actually bruised. <laughs> <clears throat> but you know, but I don't think Divine realized. Divine was a big girl. Let's say. This, I, mean. I don't think. I don't know. Did, did Divine like to be called she? I don't know. I didn't know her. You did. Yeah. <laughs> no, with those days, it wasn't really a yeah, problem. It wasn't a thing back then. Yeah. Uh, say she, he. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just, what was? Do you have any good stories from Hairspray? That something. What was Sonny Bono? Oh, Sonny was great, you know. I mean, he was just totally himself at all times, really. And sort of, you know, you know, a little sarcastic. And But he had this beautiful uh, wife, and he was always offended when you people... You mean Cher? Said, no, I'm kidding. No, no. Another one. Another one. And everyone always said, Sonny, where's Cher? And he would go... <laughs> I mean, come on. Being married to Cher must be... that. Must, you know, that would get old. Yeah. After a while. Oh, extremely. No, she doesn't extremely. get old. <laughs> no, Sorry. never. Here every Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. No, everybody had a great time. And, and uh, at the rap party, you know, everyone was dancing. All the kids were dancing like mad. And um, we were out on one of those piers in the uh, Baltimore sort of uh, harbor area. Now it's, it's become very developed now, of course. Um, and nobody, nobody wanted it to end. Not just the party, but the filming. Yeah. No, it just, oh, it was a terrible ending, really. Nobody wanted it to end. Did Divine pass away not too... Shortly thereafter. Right. Yeah, horrible. Yeah, that must have been terrible for John. Oh, well. And, and we had worked Say with no more. John Pryor on Polyester. Right. Which, that's the scratch and but stiff one, You did one, the right? music for Polyester. You did the music, Debbie sang on right. the track. And that, that right around that time, we were on Saturday night, 
And I saw that Bill Murray was doing that lounge act thing that he used to do, you know. I don't remember that. He did like a sort of, you know, like he would do like <laughs> Star Wars and all this kind of, you know. And, he, and he, it was, he would like a, lounge, a schlocky lounge act uh-huh. singer, you know. So I said to John, let's do this, you know, let's get Bill to sing on the soundtrack. And John was like, he was like, I don't want to be known as the guy who has the guy from Saturday Night Live in my movie. You know, that was... Really? His, yeah, he was, like, really worried about it, that somehow that would be a stigma. Uh, but he eventually caved, and so Bill... We were in the studio working on whatever the hell we were working on musically, and Bill came in, like, and he was really half drunk, and we said, what are you doing? And he said, I've been on the A to Z bar tour, where, wherein they go to a bar that starts with every letter of the alphabet, have a couple of drinks. And In go, New York? Yeah. yeah, they had buses. They, yeah. they hired... You would have to. Yeah. They <laughs> hired buses. I was like trying and, to think. Like, and he filled you know, up so two he, or three buses. He came, with, off, he came off the tour somewhere in the middle of the alphabet, you know, like a <laughs> letter K or something. And then... Um, between H and I or yeah, something. Did his, his singing and then rejoined the tour somewhere. So... <laughs> Later, letter, letter, and and we also got to meet Tab Hunter, which was really great. Yeah, he was in Tab the film, Hunter. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was so nice. Uh, he was a you know a hero. So, John, so did you did you could you have imagined that Hairspray would have become what it became? Like it became a musical on Broadway, then it became the musical movie with uh, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer plays the role. My part. Yeah. <laughs> We should get her as a special guest now. <laughs> but did you think it... <laughs> did you think it would become like a big thing? I mean, it's so amazing how it went so much further than that one film. It like kept going. There's no way of knowing, really, except yeah, that it was really. just so, so charming and so appropriate and so wonderfully stated. It, and was, very, it was similar it was beautiful. to the, the band and music situation. Nobody knew what the hell was going to happen yeah. in the future. Let's talk about... Um, let's talk a little bit more about Warhol. So, okay. did, do you... What was the biggest misconception people you think would have about Warhol? That he was Either. a mean guy somehow. Or really? Some, yeah, because yeah. he was so sweet. He was such a nice guy. You know, I mean, I think anybody that's that powerful winds up with a lot of detractors. Yeah. But he was just a really nice guy. He never changed as time went on. He was always. I yeah, he was always a sweetheart. You know, I don't know. And what? I what mean, was, he was caddy. You know. Yeah. Well, he was a. But yeah. he's a bit of a queen. I yeah. mean, you know. Well, he's very supportive of, of young artists, yeah. and he was very curious. He had a lot of curiosity. He was very, very social, and um, he was sort of a, this magnetic force, I think, sort of around in the New York scene, and he always was, you know. And he was, uh, of course, masterful, creative guy. Um, I, I don't know. Would you say that he was a genius? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, when you I see, well, we were. Yeah. If you see the retrospective, you know it's yeah. it's phenomenal. Yeah, the retrospective. Know? When you see all that stuff in one place, it's crazy. Well, you realize we went we went to see it together, and it's like he really did know. Well, that's what you have to add. Like Fran Lebowitz blames him 
for everything. Yeah. But she's Does such she? a yeah. Well, I should don't tell her I said that because I don't want her as my enemy. You don't want her to that, come for you. That would be too exhausting. But yes, but to be blamed by Fran is like really important. Okay, well then bring it on, Fran. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell right. her. But she, she uh, I think it was who told me. Someone told me that she blames him for the social media kind of thing, and other people think that he just predicted it. He did a lot of predictions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the 15 minutes. It's like the Edgar Casey of the art world. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And what was your experience like when the on? Um, t- it wasn't TV party. So this was uh, Andy Warhol's 15 minutes, right? The show on MTV. Yes. Yes. What was? Do you remember anything about this? Not much. No. <laughs> I remember doing it. You know, I I, I was sort of a voiceover person, really, wasn't I? Oh yeah, you did. Well, yes, yes, you did. There. Yeah. Like the introduction to some of the shows, like yeah, you would introduce. Yeah. I watched some on YouTube. You can watch them on YouTube. They're kind of they're amazing. But you introduce. You're one of the first persons to introduce Courtney Love. Mm. Like it was when she, Courtney Love was really new. I mean, it's kind of amazing the way she looks in it. She's like a completely different person. But yeah, I have a video. Oh, she was gorgeous. I have a video of Debbie and Courtney and Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that moment? I, that, I mean, not, you know, not the devil's triangle, but, but just hanging out and him doing this. I got I to gotta find when out. When was that? What year? It was later, you know. It was... In the, ni- the 90 something? It's a blur. And what were you doing? Where, where, what, we're I want to know. We were at a concert, and I don't remember who was, who was performing of, the, of us, but it wasn't Randy Savage. It may, I, I, it may have been us. I don't know. Actually, I have. I just remembered. A fun, this is a good Courtney Love story with you. Mm. I went backstage. Wow. <laughs> well, you can finish it. I can yeah. set it up. I went backstage at Madison Square Garden in '99 when you were doing No Exit tour, <clears throat> and I go back, and Debbie's on the floor of her dressing room, rubbing this thing and I'm like what is that she's like it's my rubber skirt it's like a you know black rubber skirt and, and she's trying to get she goes how do you clean these and I had a fetish club. I was like you need Windex actually it's the best way to clean them I knew that I had information so I was like you know and she's like oh damn it and I said well what is that it was like a stain and I, she goes it's Courtney Love's face and Courtney had jumped on the stage in the, yes, the show really. prior and took her by her ass and put her face in Debbie's crotch and it was like the shroud of Courtney on her vagina. And I was like, don't clean it. I'm going to sell that. But I still have it. It, is, it will always remain. Yeah. The shroud. It's hard to get Courtney out. <laughs> shroud of Courtney. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, God. All right. You're, you're digressing. I, I, I really you're... love that skirt, yeah. by the way. I love it. No, you were determined. You were really having a... Pro- like, it was very funny. Anyway. Okay, surprise All right. question from one of our friends at my... Animatronic, who... Tranny Shack legend, Animatronic from the Scissor Sisters. She asks, hologram tours are starting to happen. Frank Zappa is touring with his son, Ahmet. How does this technology make you feel? Would you consent to being immortalized via hologram? You'd probably want to do this as a hologram, wouldn't you? Of course, but, you know, I think holograms have, uh, have changed, probably. I remember doing a hologram, and it was so boring just to stand there on this 
this moving, this sort of merry-go-round platform. Where they scan you? Yeah, and they kept, and it took, you know, it took forever. I think what did it's you prob- get holog- What did you get scanned for? For what? I don't know. <laughs> It'll show up immediately somewhere. It will. Somewhere. It'll appear out of, you know. The holograms are just the interim on the way to the androids. Anyway, you know, I mean, that's what's, that'll yeah. really, then you'll get the two-pack Android, but not, you know, not... Uh... Bring it on. Well, speaking of uh, Android, I asked Chris if he had any outtakes of the Giger, you know, time that they spent together creating, and, um, but do you, you do a really good Giger imitation. Yeah, that was good Aww. the other night. It was pretty good. What we tell, share with him what he, sound, what he would say, what he would sound like. Well, he was sort of like a grandfather, right? Yes. Little sweet grandfather. Oh, Debbie, you I don't know, this Swiss accent, sort of German, but, and you know, well, tell him about the statue. You know, he had the, he had the full-size alien statue in his studio. Yeah, and it would scare them. He, would, he said he would wake up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom. And, you know, and, and it, yeah, I always said if your own art, sca- art scares you, you're, successful, you're doing yeah. well. Well, he, he spoke in very short phrases because he, for some reason, after all this time of you know, working in England and doing, you know, doing the alien creature and the spaceship and all of that work in the first alien movie, um, I don't know how. How did he communicate with everybody? Because his English sucked. <laughs> and for somebody who speaks German, I mean, German is so similar to yeah. English. But for some reason, he resisted. He resisted. He probably. I mean, an alien. He just probably didn't say much. You know. But I bet I mean, Ridley Scott was like, yes, yes, yes. Jaeger should. It's the fact that he's not in the modern museum. Yeah, is, is the craziest thing. Why in do you the think world. that is? I have no idea. Because of the Hollywood Association, maybe it's like yeah. you know how they're disdainful of comic That's books and films and stuff. But yeah. it's it's just it's completely crazy because he's inspired a whole generation of dark artists. You know, totally. I, the first time I saw it, I was like blown, blew my mind. Mm. Um, and that's why with the cuckoo cover, was it his idea to? Do that? He just said, I'm going to put the wall through your head. Yeah, well, we, we gave him, you know, he actually uh, came up with the title as well. Oh, he did? Yeah, Cuckoo. Yeah, it's like Acu, 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 Acu. That's what they came in with the language barrier. It was Acu, Acu, Ponked, Acu, Cuckoo. <laughs> there you go. So um, let's do one, another surprise question. I'm sorry. I'm, it's one. Okay, here's a from Parker Posey. Um, I'm thinking about your song T-Bird, which I love so much. Do you remember what brought that beautiful song to life? Oh. Well, it, it was when Roller Derby was on. And as, as a kid, you know, Roller Derby was a big... Uh, I loved yeah. it. And I watch it on TV Flo a lot. and Eddie are on that song. Oh, yeah. Flo and Eddie. Who? Flo, Flo and, and Eddie. Eddie. I, it's an education room. It sells the turtles, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, the and turtles. The mothers, right? too. You know, they oh, like really? Yeah, yeah, they were in the mothers. mothers. Yeah. And you, you wrote all the lyrics to that? Well, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, 
Well, you know. And we were, we were. It's a great song. What are you talking about? You remember later we were on a roller derby show when they, yes. tried, they tried to bring it back? They tried to bring roller derby back and they got us on the show. And, and we played like it wasn't they, funky enough. They set up a, a stage in the middle of the ring. Yeah. I mean, in the middle of the okay. track. But it was very yeah. high, you know, high, high end production. And I think the original roller derby was so well loved because of the rawness of it and yeah. you know it's just was about the it was about the skating and not about the style of the of the set or anything like that uh, no, it was it was tough just, girls tough girls that's come on <laughs> give it up for the tough girls girls of the underworld <laughs> did you ever write a song about wrestling because i know you both loved it so much no, no, I think it just no. sort of uh, was an undercurrent to what we many did. Many of the songs. <laughs> well, who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Me or him? Either of you both. Huh. Well, you have op- a fight. You want to wrestle? You should just start wrestling. Show me all your moves. I, I, are you kidding? <laughs> no, she start kidding. like this. <laughs> That's as far as I can go now. <laughs> I'm wearing heels, Rob. I know, I told her to. Rob, Rob, maybe he, Rob said if I was not wearing heels, I would be breaking the law. Yeah, was, I, I don't know what law that is. Mine. Rob's law. <laughs> Fetish. So who was your favorite uh, wrestler? There's there many. Which you know. ones are the top? Um, like? The Iron Sheik follows me on Twitter, oh. which I'm really proud of. Uh, so you, As should you all. You know, we did the thing in New York. I got like 100 Twitter followers. So um, just go there. But, you know, and I, the Grand Wizard was really great, but he wasn't a wrestler. He was a manager. But I have a picture of me and the Grand Wizard and Greg Valentine, which is a prized possession. Yeah. Um, there's so many great ones. Yeah, there's it's so many great have ones. One favorite. I mean, George I know Lydia Animal, really loved, uh, Lydia loved Bret Hart. Bret Hart, yeah, well, that was like a romantic attraction. Oh, well, yeah. what else? He was pretty cute. Um, he's still out there. But George the Animal, I mean, you can't, you know, that's a, yeah. that's pretty iconic. And Andre yeah. was, you know, was yeah. what, what it was. It's yeah. amazing. All right, let's try an internet question. Debbie, who is the most attractive person you ever met? Cheers from Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> we met Liz Taylor. Oh, yeah. Was she... As what? We met Liz Taylor. <laughs> Do you remember? You don't remember? Who? Liz, Liz Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm picturing you like, who are you? <laughs> well, that was really just. What? I, what? We were. I, I was completely starstruck. I wanted yeah. to bow down, really. At uh, what? Really. Uh, uh, time frame of Liz Taylor, like um, late, mid? She was probably in her 50s, I would no. say. She was in a production of The Little Foxes on Broadway. Ah. And, our, and yeah. Dennis Christopher, we know who Dennis Christopher was, is, sorry. Yeah. Um, he was in it, and we got yeah. invited. So he brought us into her dressing room, and oh, everything was painted the same color the as her eyes. Yeah, she had the... She did really? That for yes. Real. Yeah. The whole she room was would, She had lavender. to have the dressing room painted violet. Oh, that's fierce. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Well, we had done a, uh, worked with an animated, in an animated film called Drats. Right, yeah. And we had brought her a uh, transparency, is that what you call it? A gel 
from drats oh, okay. as a gift because that was her curse word and she would always say drats well did they change it to rock and rule anyway i don't know if any, it's uh, very, it's very, that's the word yeah. the title that stuck with the it's, it's long story and very obscure well, but we also were. No, but she the, was wearing a lavender cap. Everything was lavender. Yeah. How did you find her? In all the, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, she was. I only she, see your eyes. She was reclining. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was pretty gorgeous. She yeah. Was, she was gorgeous. Yeah. And who do you, is that? The most gorgeous person you've ever well, met? We, we just we were at the Game of Thrones premiere, and we met all of those. Yeah. And and, and and you know that's. Are they all gorgeous? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Well, we know Gwen, Gwen Christie. We've met a couple of times, and she's oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. she's, yeah. she's otherworldly. Um, okay, and Harrington is gorgeous. Kid Harrington, you know, give me a break. I don't watch yeah. it like you do, so I yeah. don't. I don't know. That could be the dragon, for all I know. <laughs> He's gorgeous too. This is Bina. KALW series featuring artists and thinkers who've spoken at the Jewish Community Center of San Francisco. Today's guests are Blondie frontwoman Deborah Harry and Blondie co-founder and guitarist Chris Stein. They're joined in conversation by artist Rob Roth, who served as creative director of Harry's memoir, Face It. Blondie is performing at the Masonic Auditorium in San Francisco on Tuesday, May 17th. Bina is also available as a podcast, and you can find it at KALW.org. Okay, uh, Shreveport, LA. Your public image of authenticity seems well-deserved and proper based on numerous written accounts with confirmation in Face It Anticipated. Of all the interesting people you have met and collaborated with, which ones do you know also to be the real deal? I, w- I don't think I would collaborate with anyone who I didn't think was the real deal. Oh, so everyone. Yeah. 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 yeah great. I, I, I mean, if I mean, it has to be a mutual uh, sort of admiration to have a successful collaboration, don't you think? Yeah. We were just, yeah. you know, we're waiting to come back on stage, and they're playing this track, and I start, wow, that's really great. And it was the Giorgio song from Scarface. Yeah. You know, rush, rush. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't, I don't really, you know have in my head, but that, that was a nice surprise. What was Giorgio Ramoter like? like what? He's just super professional, and yeah. we've run into him more recently yeah. over the years. Yeah. You know, and he's, he was uh, doing some crazy DJ thing where yeah. you know, he was very excited and very happy about it. He's uh, a sweet, sweet guy. Did a he? real ladies' man, by the way. He told, Giorgio told us that he had I Feel Love for years. Yeah, and he five, at least five yeah, years. Yeah, and he couldn't get, nobody was ready for it, and he couldn't get a record company to release it and all this stuff, and it finally kicked in and, you know, was what it was. Did he do that Midnight movie? Was that his music? Midnight? Right, yeah, Midnight Express, yeah. Midnight that's Georgia, Express. Yeah, right. Did that come before or after? That's Mid- after, yeah. After, yeah. And did he approach you for Call Me like it was his, him approaching you? Or how did that work with Call Me? I, I, I think that like might have been Paul, Paul Schrader. Schrader, yeah. He was, was like, it got you two together. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. Uh, I, I, wasn't um, Shep involved in that? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, maybe it's one of his productions, a live yeah. production yeah. or something. And did too. you hear the music first and do the lyrics, or did you? Yeah, well, Giorgio sent us yeah. a demo, 
and the lyric was man machine. It was like man machine. I, I, like I'm a man. Dun, 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 dun. I was like, so <laughs> it was a little literal, you know. So. I said I can't sing that. See, <laughs> so what did you do? We're like, uh, you came up with "Call Me." Well, we went to uh, the Pierre, the Pierre Hotel. Paul Schrader had, you know, put up the uh, what they called the rushes in those days. Put it all up, and it was all. You know, it was it was edited. It was put together, and he he played it for us. And uh, left we left the hotel where we only lived a few blocks away. And um, there was such a strong visual impression that I just wrote wrote it right away. And, In one um, sitting, did you read write it? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it goes. You know, um, what do you call it? The, but the important thing about that, or the interesting thing, I found later found out later that you know there's a dis- really distinctive palette to that movie. And um, it, it was uh, Giorgio Armani's fashion in clothing and everything sort of, you know, built up from there. And so that, that was really the big Giorgio Armani moment, exposure, you know, to his... Uh, Is that where you came with Color Me Your Color? Yes, because the palette was so strong and it was... Yeah, there are scenes early on where he's laying out shirts and yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, Okay, so... This is the moment. We're going to try it. Yeah. Well, Q and A's. Who I we always have this argument. I you know, I, you have to think of the question that's good, and I don't want a biography about you. When I when you get, we, we all know why we're here. We all had sex to rapture. We all saved our lives. They saved our lives. That's why we're here. So think no. of a really yeah. good question that's like okay, you're you're close. Thank God. Okay, let's try this. Make it good. Okay. Hi. At the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, when Frank Infante asked if he could play with you, first off, you handle that incredibly graciously, and you, it was amazing. Why didn't you want to play with Frank, or was it just going to be too much of a mess to play? <laughs> Thank you. Nicely put. <laughs> Well, we had rehearsed. We had a different band. Frank hadn't played with us for years. Yeah, I mean, and it was all—it was all just a, you know. He could have called up in, yeah, the, in the prior I mean, fifteen just, years, you know. <laughs> he was—he was playing, playing. To, the, the, to this date, people ask me how much we paid him to do that, <laughs> because yeah. because we kind of, you know, everybody thought, oh, the Sex Pistols are going to be the big thing at this event, because we were the same year as the Sex Pistols. But they just didn't show up. They just sent a note that said, you suck, basically. <laughs> and, and so the whole thing was like, Blondie Chaos at the Hall you know, of Fame, da, 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 with all the headlines. Yeah, you outdid the Sex yeah, Pistols with the, yeah. With, it, wasn't that the same year that Metallica got it with, with us? The same maybe, year? I don't know. I don't know. I was so impressed. They were so nice. Did you expect Frank to do that at all? No, was that, no, was that, that was out of deal. character for him, even though you hadn't spoken to him a while? Or it, was it, it was kind of heroic for him, yeah. but it was also odd that he decided that was a good moment in front of millions of people to complain. But, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of great. It was very rock and roll. Yeah, no, it worked. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it would have been good if you decked him, actually. I, I, what? I, did, I thought you were going to punch him, to be honest. <laughs> Me? But, yes. Oh, no, I, I tried to push him with my hip. <laughs> it's going like that. Behind the podium. 
All right, anyone Next else? question here on your left. Oh. Hi, I wondered if you had any fun behind-the-scenes stories about Grace Jones' baby shower at Studio 54. See, you did. It was Jeez, a baby so shower. We, yeah, I asked her if it was that. a birthday or a baby shower, and she didn't remember, but I think it was a baby shower. You know, I... I, you know, it was called a baby shower. And Grace was going to have a baby. <laughs> but it was at Studio 54. <laughs> so there is the, you know, I, I, what, what would you call that? The, An I overlap? I, uh, There's a name for that. Confluence. <laughs> <laughs> contradiction. I, you know, it's contra- Anyway, Grace is one of my favorites, and so so beautiful. Do you have a good Grace Jones story though that, that comes to your mind, like something? Well, it, there was another party that I, I think it was a birthday party, perhaps, where she was very pregnant, and you know she always had these wonderful, artistic, beautifully designed costumes, and uh, you know staging and she again she was on a sort of a a little rotating platform and she was sort of dressed in this uh uh, very fitted you know so her her pregnancy would really show and she was slowly rotating on this platform and um that was that was gorgeous you know it was gorgeous but before that you know she had Invited me to, you know, introduce her and um, and, th- and said, why don't you come to the apartment beforehand? So, you know, uh, they said that, you know, she was going on around 10. So I went to her apartment, which was fairly close to where I was living. And, um, you know, her family was there. Well, she has a big extended family. And so I showed up at the apartment and all these children running around and, you know, aunts and uncles and and whatever, mother or father, and um, she was getting dressed. And so I, I was there for about two hours. And then, uh, you know, we all went downtown to this, to this club where she was going to do this performance. And then she went into, you know, her dressing room, and she started putting on makeup. She had a, she had a lot of makeup on, but she kept putting on more makeup, more makeup, more makeup. And it was amazing to me that she, you know, could do this makeup and it just kept looking, you know, and better and better and better. And I, I, I mean, truly, I don't know how she did it. She was a, she was master at, you know, makeup. And so it, that was another couple of hours. So, uh... <laughs> You, you. So she, finally she went on and she, you know, stood on this platform. And um, by that time, you know, I, she asked, she said, well, now you have to introduce me. So I said, oh, okay. And I said, and now here comes Grace Jones. <laughs> I ran off. I just I had, had nothing further to say. But um, that was enough. That was enough. You and Grace sang with Lou Reed at the Garden. What? Yeah. I and sang and back up. For back up for Walk on the Wild Side. Really? This is what I mean. Yeah. These things come out every so often. I forgot often. about like, that. And you then, and Grace Jones sang and, uh, back up for. Yeah. And, I, and Niall Rogers said to me, but you're not colored. <laughs> Stating the obvious. So, well, I'm not transparent. <laughs> 
but I am. I am sort of transparent, but... I just wonder if you remember anything about my first uh, Blondie concert, which was in San Francisco on New Year's Eve in 1978 when you opened for Journey. Oh, God, yes. You opened for Journey? Yeah. See, it's like my education tour. What Journey's songs? What? Are, what, what? I don't know. I can't think don't of it. Don't stop believing. Well, yeah, it was I like, I think, a... a, a you know, a mean joke by B- Bill Graham, actually. I don't know. Um, Where was this at? It's at the Fillmore. The Fillmore. I think, yes, I'm trying to read. It was a long time ago. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the Fillmore. Yeah. <sighs> I was at Winterland. Okay. Thank you. We, tradition, we would always play on New Year's Eve for a, a really long time. Yeah. There would always be a yeah. New Year's Eve. I, can't, I don't remember that at all. I, I remember that. It was a good show because my son was conceived that night. Okay. Was that because of Blondie or Journey? <laughs> you want to take one more? Oh, yeah, let's do one more. These are pretty good. I'm proud of you. <laughs> San Francisco! Hi, Debbie, this is for you. Um, we all know your strong ties to New York City and you know, how you're linked so closely with that city. Do you think that if you had been raised in you know, Denver or Omaha or Phoenix, do you think you somehow still would have somehow found your way to New York? Oh, yeah, that, that's a hard thing to answer. I don't know. Maybe I would have ended up <clears throat> out here on the West Coast from you know, that vantage. Um, I, I grew up... Uh, in New Jersey, mostly North Jersey, and my uh, yes, <coughs> my ties to uh, my ties in the metropolitan area were very strong, and uh, you know New York is a huge magnetic force. As I, I think, you know, I, I might have actually ended up more on the West Coast. I you know I needed to be in a in a more complicated atmosphere than, you know, living in a small town. Although, you know, Patterson, New Jersey, was kind of complicated. And uh, I love going down there and visiting, you know, my grandmother's. Um, but, no, you know, it, it, that's, that's a toss-up question, I think. I always think New Yorkers are born everywhere, and they end up there. That was, that's my philosophy. Yeah. I think you would have. I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah, well, you're a native. We're all native. Well, we are, both of us. Yeah, yeah. Is. they're natives. <laughs> oh. All right, do you want one more question? All right, is there one? Who's? We're going to take this one right here. Okay. Come on. Thanks so much for this amazing um, interview. Um, when the early uh, fans of Blondie, there was a lot of pushback when Heart of Glass was um, released, the disco era. Can you talk about that? I always think it was a class thing, actually, that the uh, disco... I mean, because it's, it's like it's suggested by the movie, you know, that it's a working-class um, art form and emerged first out of that milieu rather than... And everybody in CBGB's was an intellectual. So it was there was that. But I always really liked disco music. For me, it was just an extension of R&B. I don't... Never saw any. I, I loved all that early stuff, you know. I mean, the Bee Gees stuff for me is the best stuff they did. I don't really like the old rock stuff. 
as much. So I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, in a way, I think often think that those things are created, in, um, you know, by press agents and stuff like that. You know, to sort of make it make it happen. Um, yeah, it was like the disco sucks thing, you know. The, yeah. That was yeah. made by the industry yeah. to, yeah. like, almost like a promo thing or something. Yeah, in retrospect, we think it was might have been even punker to be doing something that all our peers thought sucked. Yeah. So. Well, which peers exactly thought it sucked? I, I, I don't know if anyone genuinely was... The Ramones were mad, weren't they? they, It was all tongue in cheek. Not so much the Ramones. I don't don't think they've sincerely. I think Joan was pretty upset. Really? Yeah. Joan Jett. Yeah, Joan was pretty upset Uh, for a minute. You know, (laughs) you know, everything gets sort of you know built built out of proportion in a way. All right. Well, this we've reached. I have I have one thing to say. One thing. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I don't know if Sylvie Simmons is here, but um, this, I don't think this, this collection of stories... Okay. Are you here, Sylvie Simmons? Yay! Yay. <laughs> Sylvie Simmons worked on the book with Debbie, and she's she, here tonight. Yes, I mean, no, let's... She went from A to Z with me on this and, and you know, was so introspective and sensitive and wonderful to talk to that it, this book really wouldn't exist without her because I am uh, kind of lazy. <laughs> and it, Only no, when it's talking about yourself. Oh, <laughs> You're no, not it, lazy. It, it's, it's very true, so thank you, Sylvie. Let's give Sylvie a round of applause. On that note, we're done. And thank you all so much for coming. I hope you enjoyed the book. Bina is a co-production of the Jewish Community Center of San Francisco and KALW. For more information about programs at the JCCSF, you can visit jccsf.org. Today's guests were Blondie Frontwoman, Deborah Harry, and Blondie co-founder and guitarist Chris Stein. They were joined in conversation by artist Rob Roth, who served as creative director of Harry's memoir, Face It. Blondie is performing at the Masonic Auditorium in San Francisco on Tuesday, May 17th. I'm David Kwan, editor and producer of the program. Our theme music is from the album Masada Rock by the Roshanim Trio. And the music you're hearing right now is by John Zorn. Bina is available as a podcast, and you can find it at kalw.org. Thanks for listening.